0: This is Double strength. strength Mama Power. It's a stuff podcast. Dear parents of New Zealand, we understand that parenting involves making many challenging decisions, like how to deal with fussy eating, when to move from cot to bed, and when to cut out those day naps. That's why we make Anmum Pedia Pro 3 toddler milk an easy option, so that you can focus on the important task of bringing up your little kiwis. mum, you've got this this is the other thing about having an only child,
1: is just because, you know, if, you, if I did give her siblings, they're not guaranteed to get on. So I, I just don't think you can plan for that stuff. Just yeah. because you are family, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get on and, and, you know, be the
2: Waltons. Birth order and only children. Hmm. What number child were you in the pecking order, to I bet you can guess, Susie. <laughs> um, you wouldn't have been first child, by you? chance.
3: <laughs> I am the classic eldest child. Um, shy when I was young, very straight, very well behaved, very responsible, and um, I was the peacemaker as well. I really took it upon myself to, well, I mean, my, my parents might say otherwise, but I feel like, and I remember, that it was very much part of my role to um, make sure that me and my two younger sisters got on with each other. So, I'm, I'm quite intrigued to hear from our guest in terms of how that works and what happens with an only.
2: Mmm, exactly. Now we're talking about birth order and bringing up an only child with the wonderful actor and mum of one, Tandy Wright. We want to talk to her about her biggest role yet, the role of being a mum.
0: This is Double Strength Mumma Power.
2: Kia ora koutou. Have you ever pondered, agonised, or simply been curious about how birth order may be affecting your children? Psychologist Kevin Lehman, author of the birth order book, Why We Are the Way We Are, says how parents interact with each child as he or she enters the family circle determines in great part that child's final destiny. So, what about when your child is a singleton? A one off only? A first and last edition? Actor Tandy Wright and her writer actor husband Michael Barron are the proud parents of an only 10 year old daughter, Olive. And Tandy says the chance to focus on that single child has huge rewards. Hey, now, Tandy, you were raised with two sisters. Yeah. You're the youngest sister? I am. Mm. And your girl, Olive, who's now 10, she's had a very different kind of experience to that, hasn't she? Mm -hmm. Uh, We spend a lot of time
1: with each other, just hanging out. I feel like we know each other really well. We're really good friends, I think, that is one of the advantages of having an only child is that you get so much quality time. She's probably like, <laughs> had too much quality time. She's like, mum and dad, get away from me. But it is, um, yeah, I feel like we are really tightly bonded, like kind of three musketeers and we can we enjoy each other's company and we can go anywhere at a moment's notice.
2: Oh, fabulous. And you do travel quite a bit, don't you? Yeah,
1: well, I do for work and they c- sometimes come if the job is long enough. Um, I was working in Canada for four months and those guys came over with me. And it was, because there were just three of us, it was really achievable. I had to go first and set up and find a place for us to live and then Michael and Olive came about three weeks later. And I I didn't feel too bad about that because it, it was ma- I felt it was manageable for him. He had to pack up our house here and rent it out and do all of that stuff, be like site manager here. And then when we were all in Canada together, we just had this amazing family adventure.
2: Mm, you don't think it would have been quite the same with extra family members there?
1: I think it would have been harder. Actually, Michael has been primary caregiver, really, and I've been the breadwinner. You know, and sometimes that changes around. But I, I felt like it was manageable for him and I felt like the workload was not too full on. Um, so I didn't feel as guilty
2: about that stuff, I guess. Can I ask you, was it a conscious decision to just have the one child?
1: It wasn't really conscious. we I didn't have Olive till I was 37. And so if we wanted to have another child, we would have had to do it relatively soon. And there was definitely a point when I was, I was keen to have a second child or, or to start talking about it. And Michael wasn't. And I was quite surprised, actually, when he said, I'm worried I'll just turn into a grumpy old man. And I...
2: Because because he felt he would be too tired. Michael's only a few years older than you, though, isn't he?
1: Yeah, yeah, he is. But he was doing the lion's share of the domestics at that time. And I really had to listen to that. Sure. I thought, you know, you are actually at the forefront here of all the, you know, like the stuff that grinds you down, the basic domestic stuff. And I have to listen to that. I can't just be swanning around, you know, saying we're going to have a second child without really you know, making sure you're on board with it. And so, you know, we talked about it. We, we threw it back and forth for quite a long time. And I think in the end, time decided it, really. Um, but there are, there are great things. I still feel guilty about that, that, mm. you know, I haven't provided Olive with a, with a sibling. But, you know, we do other things. Like we work on, you know, her relationship with her cousins and stuff like that.
2: Mm. Yeah. yeah. Has Olive, as she's grown up, has she put any pressure on you to have siblings? There were times when she talked about it. Like, she was obviously curious about it.
1: And we saw, we talked through, of course, the pros and cons. And, um, you know, she was aware that she would have to share her staff and she wouldn't get as much attention. And so we always emphasised, I guess, the positive aspects of being an only child. Um but also, we we were really clear that she would need um, a fano of some kind around her. So we've always um, been really encouraging of her having friends over, and also she's got a cousin in Wellington who we've we've really made a strong effort to, that those guys get together most school holidays and they really have a kind of a brother-sister relationship almost. They, um, y- you know, they fight like brothers and sisters. They're always intensely interested in each other but they're pretending not to be, uh, yeah. all of that stuff. <laughs> uh, so so that's something that we tr- cherish, that relationship, yeah. It, Olive has always been so keen for sleepovers yeah. that she couldn't get out of the house fast enough. She. <laughs> She, ever since she's been about three, she's been completely happy to go to other people's places. We never had the midnight call saying, come and pick us up me up. Even though she's quite a shy child, I think she's got a really solid sense of herself. So she's always been quite self-sufficient in those situations. She, she appears a little
2: shy, but she's quite solid, I think, at her, at her core. Mm. Do you think you can attribute that to her being an only child?
1: I think definitely that sense of self sufficiency, and her imaginative world, I think, have been enriched because she's an only child. She mm. um, also, we were really clear that we didn't have, you know, twelve hours a day to be playing Lego with her. So she um, she's really great at inventing all sorts of stuff for herself. And she reads, my God, she reads, and she she draws and writes, and her
2: her. Imaginative life is very rich. <laughs> I'm kind of jealous of it, actually. But you're as an actor, I would—I would have imagined that you actually helped her develop that, or was that her own? Yeah. Well, I mean, I'd love to take credit for it.
1: Um, and uh, I mean, I think I have. We have put quite a lot of thought into how do you um, how do you develop and foster a really original thinker. That's what I think is most important in the world. Actually, you know. Uh, doing well at school is all very well, but if you can, you know, if you can produce a child
2: who's an original thinker, mm. then
1: you've done an amazing
2: thing in the world. it's quite hard, I think. Were you both involved in, you and Michael both involved in acting, do you think there's a chance for Olive to head in that direction as well? <laughs> uh, I don't, I mean, we were
1: always telling her she has to be a doctor or something. <laughs> um, we... She's definitely seen the life, and she knows it's not a glamorous life, but she sees the passion that we have for it. Yeah, actually, we recently we shot. Um, we made a, a pilot for a TV series that was shot a lot in our house, and so our house became the set. And even her room was used for data transfer. And the costume department was in my bedroom. And she loved that. Actually, she would come home after school, and she would hang out with the costume department. And she would be helping fold some stuff, and then she'd be uh, watching the rushes. And there's a kind of, um, you know, a bubble and a life around uh, being on a film set, which she really enjoyed. I think mm. so. We'll we'll
2: see. Yes, could be a good holiday job. Well, exactly, and all those experiences you give your child while they're young mm. just broadens their horizons and expands their whole life, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. But I I have to say that being a mother has made me a better actor, without the shadow of a doubt. I think it mm, it deepens your experience of the world. Where you have a whole new experience, and you suddenly realise that. Mothers are heroes. And I remember feeling this when I had a baby. I thought, how did I not know about this? Why did I miss this? These women, women are doing heroic acts every day. Mm. And the world doesn't really seem to notice. I was sort of bowled over by that. But also I think, um, you know, as an actor, you once you become a mother, the world seems at once more terrible and more beautiful than it ever did. And, you know, your fears are sharpened and you become like this sort of lioness willing to protect her cub at whatever cost. So so that stuff is
2: great for my craft. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) Or that passion. Yeah. Another gift is the fact that she's so adaptable.
1: Yeah. I just want her to have a super open mind and enjoy crazy, mad things mm. and not have to worry about being right or the perfect or, you know, I want a bit of wildness in her li- life, I guess. Did you have wildness in your life when you were growing up? Yeah, it's well, I'm a child of the 70s and I think um, parenting was pretty hands off then. And so, I, th- you know, we kind of just did what we wanted to and the parents were, I mean, I, I love my parents, but it was definitely a different time and in lots of ways i think i got my moral compass almost more from my older sister than my parents because she was around more my parents were very busy doing their stuff you know, mm. my mum's an artist and an actor and my dad was a journalist and they were you know so caught up in in their careers It was totally great, Um, but we sort of, yeah, grew up in spite of them, I think.
2: It can often be the role of the eldest child, can't it, to kind of bring up the the other siblings?
1: It certainly was in our case. I mean, maybe it's not always, but I do, I sort of, I feel that the oldest child, it's quite a burden for those guys. I feel a bit, well, you're an oldest child. Yes, yes. (laughs) So I feel like you guys get a rougher deal, actually.
2: We do tend to hover over our first child. Oh, yeah. It's the first one. Yeah. What if we break yeah. it? You know, yeah. we can't take it back. That's right. Yeah. yeah, How about with Olive then? She's effectively your first poor no. <laughs> And, and the youngest. Oh, yeah, she's yellow.
1: got a lot to cope with. And I, I, I mean, it's interesting. We try not to hover, but at the same time, because she isn't only, we are really aware that we'll only get this once. Mm. And we really cherish it. So we are really involved in her life because we want to be. That's... Um, and I think she enjoys it too. And she's growing up, and she'll need us less and less, and we'll have to wean ourselves yes. off being around all the time. And that's okay. But I, I feel that we can both say we have loved this time. We have loved her early mm. years, and I feel that we've both been there right through it. We, we have always had a really equal parenting relationship, and that often, you know, this is we are both freelancers, and so we're often both at home. Um, and that means we're incredibly poor a lot of the time. But it means that we are really rich in time. Mm. And I wouldn't have that any other way. That um, That is our choice.
2: For me, I mean, I've always said I want more than I could never just have one child. And I just, yeah, having the more children for me is an important thing. Um, he's a real monkey, my firstborn. And my um, secondborn likes to follow him. I just think that they're both, like, really loving, caring boys, and I think they'll be amazing bigger brothers to a sister, and I'm just hoping that the sister won't sort of be so go, go, go as them and sort of pull them down to more of a little ground. Well, Tandy raised something really interesting when she spoke to us. She talked about the need to bring your child up in a community. Mm. So if you've got an only child in particular, you don't have that community at home as Mm. such with just, say, the three of you or even just the two of you sometimes – the importance of being able to communicate, to have those squabbles and to mm. make up. Tandy did, does that with um, Olive's cousin, mm. but also within the community. The kindergarten mm. and the friends and all those sleepovers
3: and things like that. So very important. It's so important, and what comes with that is freedom as well—freedom to explore, freedom to, you know, express yourself, try on different selves based on what you're seeing and experiencing of others. That sounds so freeing mm. and so liberating. I yeah. love that.
2: Just the way we were when we were growing up mm. and would
3: disappear for hours on mm. end with our friends. Mm. And of course, we're not always going to get on with our siblings, are we? Oh, absolutely not. And and, you know, me being the eldest child, I did feel like it was my responsibility. Sure, I didn't get on with them all the time. Of course, I remember arguments, but it was part of my responsibility to be that peacekeeper and, um, you know, make sure that we, we kind of all got on. And, you know, I even see that in my eldest daughter now. She she has this beautiful compassion, but she's also like a little leader. So whenever she sees little Lily upset or, or needing a little bit of love or whatever, she'll go in for that cuddle and she will be that peacekeeper as well, to, to a certain extent. Is that you being a role model as well, though? You know, it could be. It Nature versus nurture. Mm. I I don't know. Um, what I do know, I learned recently, is that in the first two years of life, we're operating with brain waves in the delta state, which is sleep, and then from two to seven years old, we are operating with brain waves in the theta state, which is subconscious. So what that means is that everything that happens to and around us. Until we're about seven, is going straight into our subconscious. It's programming our brains and beliefs. So you know, not to say that we're going to grow up as any kind of a, a robot, but there is something in our subconscious. There is something in there that kind of says to us quietly, as like a little subconscious, subtle whisper: stand up, stand tall. You know, be responsible, mm-hmm. and. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm intrigued by that. And the other thing, though, and and I've learned this as an adult is although we can have this programming and we can can have this sense of having to be a certain way, um, you can change that. Oh, great! Because that's one thing
2: I wanted to ask. If this is programming, yes. and you, we're, we're going to have wonderful examples in our lives.
3: But often there are so many negative examples as well. How mm. do, if, we, if we're being programmed, how do we change that? Mm. You can absolutely change. And that is part of what I've designed and written into our mindful moment today. Oh, yes. One day
0: you'll miss it, you know, the early morning wake ups and jumping into bed snuggles. So enjoy it while it lasts. And Ann Mum Pedia Pro 3 toler Milk will be right there with you.
3: Ann Mum, you've got this. When we label our children and project onto them the characteristics, responsibilities, dare I say it, of eldest child, middle child, youngest child, or only, then we're programming them. We're laying neural pathways potentially for resistance later in life when they may want to do away with that label, those responsibilities. Now never fear, there are ways to dissolve resistance and transform ourselves. So if, like me, you're the oldest child, structured, organised, responsible, there are ways to become flexible, spontaneous, wild and carefree. I call this an unbecoming. It's peeling away the layers of expectation, responsibility. It's taking off the hats we wear, the labels we're given, to reveal the essence and the potential within. Because we are so much more than the hats we wear, the responsibilities we bear, all that, it's externally driven. So with all that said, I want to ask you a question. Who were you before the world told you who you should be? I'll give you a visual, so that you can see it clearly, close your eyes and imagine this. A baby, newly born, with velvety skin, so warm, untouched, unspoiled, a perfect embodiment of humanity. This baby is a human being, born into this world, free. This baby's environment may be or become difficult, but right now, newly born, the essence of this baby is free, unencumbered, unburdened, with no expectation, no desire, except a primal desire to be here, to survive and to thrive. Imagine if that baby were to grow up through life with no labels, no projections of what this person should be. Imagine the curiosity that comes with that, the inquiring mind, the permission to try on different selves, to experience life in all the ways it can be experienced. Life is not a puzzle to be solved. We aren't pieces that are supposed to fit perfectly. It's a mystery to unfold, and we are the navigators, the discoverers, if only we had the freedom. One more question for you. What would it look like for you to feel free? Free within a framework. Yeah, freedom within the framework of your day-to-day. So it's about what are the little things that you can do? I mean, you know, they can be big things too, but really most importantly, it's what are the little things that you can do every day to feel a little bit more free? And about nurturing yourself? Absolutely. Well, absolutely. These mindful moments are nurturing. And when you stop and take pause to check in with yourself in terms of how am I feeling and how do I want to feel and if it's freedom that I want, what will I do? today to feel that way. And, you know, it can be little things. Like I talked to my own Olive, my own daughter this Mm -hmm. morning, about, um, I said to her, if I asked you the question, what can you do to feel free? What would you do? And she said, oh, it would just be lying on my bed reading my books.
2: Oh, yes.
3: So it is, it is freedom within the framework of your everyday, your day-to-day. There are so many moments every day that we can feel a little bit more free, a little bit less burdened. We just need to stop. And pay attention. Mm, And have a laugh and a smile. Mm, Absolutely. Absolutely. Excellent. Well, we're
2: guaranteed to have that next. Next time on Double Strength Mama Power, we'll be getting Dad's point of view bringing up daughters. Comedian Di Henwood will be here to share his wisdom on being a father figure to females. Mm. Now, this is going to be fun. I don't know whether to sing... You are the wind beneath my wings or I'm free to do what I want any old
3: time. You are free. Yeah.
2: Remember
0: when you used to leave your house with just a wallet? Now it's nappies, blankie, teddy, books and two changes of clothes. You didn't even need this much luggage when you did your OE. With no added sugars and Mumpedia Pro 3 toddler milk is one less thing to worry about. We know because we're parents too.
2: Double Strength Mama Power is a stuffed podcast made in commercial collaboration with the Pro 3 Todd the Milk.